So we're, we're needing more in the worship team to kind of create a bigger rotation. Um, happy July 4th weekend, right? And so I uh, hope you're this weekend and then going in as you're um, your igniting fireworks illegally in your front yard. Uh, be thankful for the country you live in. There's, I've said this before, I'll say it again, there's so many people that like to talk bad about our country, not perfect country, but you are in the best country on the planet, I promise you. Uh, people want to be here. Um, if you don't know that's truth, then you should have went on the trip to Reynosa last week as they went to camps of people that are there that wish they could be in this country. And so, um, man, we're so thankful. Um, and if you have friends that are British, it's a good time to call them this weekend and just kind of you know, poke around with them. That's always a good thing to do. Hey, uh, excited about a couple things. I want to let you know. Then we're going to dismiss the kids here. Uh, but I want to make sure that you're here. Um, so um, we have announcements at the end, but I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit about this as we kind of get in to the message. Um, on the last Sunday of this month, that's the 30th, right? The 30th of July. I know you've already been thinking about it. Um, the, the 30th of July, we're going to have a Stay the Budget meeting over our Edify time. But we're also, the plan, Lord willing, uh, we've already presented the reno, uh, renovation plan to the elders that we're going to now unveil that to you, right? And here's what it's going to look like. There's a dollar figure of what it's going to cost us, right? Um, and the good news is we have all the money. It's in our pockets, right? That's the good news. <laughs> Y'all like that, huh? Okay. Um, so... We're going to present to you a plan from painting everything in this hole in, inside uh, to, new, to uh, new flooring options, right? Um, now, what I'll tell you is this. Already, uh, people, some have given towards the building fund already, um, just us talking about it. And so what it's going to take to paint the whole building and for the flooring that we're going to tell you about, we've have a, we already have about two-thirds of that money just for that, Right? So that's, that's a praise the Lord. Um, but um, if we want to go further than that, if you perchance, if maybe in the, through the years, maybe um, your pant size has gone from a, you know, 32 slim to a, you know, 38 or whatever, and you'd like maybe a little bit more cushion on that seat and maybe a little bit wider, um, there'll be some options for some new seats, right? Or if you're tired of, you know, breaking open skin on these chairs as you walk past maybe this, the edges over here, there's like a sharp piece of metal that comes out from each of these, right? If you'd maybe like some options on some chairs, we'll present to you what it'd be cost if we got new chairs. We'll have some other options of new furniture. We'll have some options, and we'll go as far with what we're going to bring to you as what we actually raise. Um, the plan at this point is, this will all start on September the 1st, um, is that we have um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if y'all remember Stephen McKee. Do y'all know Stephen McKee? Do y'all remember Stephen McKee, right? He's going to be, um, from years ago, he's going to actually be the one coming in. He and his son have been together. They're going to be doing the painting um, and the flooring. And so they're going to start on uh, September the 1st. Just that portion is going to take about three months, right? And we'll have to kind of work around that. Um, so why am I telling you this? One, be praying. Two, this is a terrible time to be raising any kind of money, Right? Never is there a good time, but we really got to do a little upkeep on the inside. Um, then number three, that you can already start giving if you designate towards building fund. Any extra offering that you give will go right towards that. Uh, so that's what's coming up. I'm excited about it. Um, 
Uh, we put a plan together. We put pictures together. We made proposals. We brought it into our elder meeting. And so now we're going to have a chance, Lord willing, that day we'll have some pictures and some ideas to give you a visual if we went as far as what the plan is. So that's coming up, and we'll tell you more about it, but excited about that. Also, just want to remind you that if you're a guest here today, um, we, uh, here's what our church looks like, in case you're not aware. We preach and we pray kind of normal stuff, and then at the end of the sermon we'll sing a song, and then we'll flip this room and put tables out to eat together, right? If any of you are guests here today... Um, that's usually where sometimes guests will go, that's all I was counting on today. And they'll, this'll, you know, they didn't really think they were getting themselves into a meal. But I also say this, we always make extra. I made a mess of extra air fried chicken nuggets, right? And, and them's is really good. I can promise you that. That people make extra food. So also if guests come that you can stay and eat with us. Then we have a time of, of building each other up and we take communion. It's really a sweet time. If you really want to experience the full gamut of what our church looks like, I would implore you, um, if you're not ready this time, next time, come back and visit with us, but you're welcome to stay after. It's a sweet time, isn't it, church body? It's a sweet time um, doing life together, so I want to invite you to that. All right, let me dismiss our children's ministry this morning. Teresa, everybody say hi, Teresa. Teresa is doing our kids club, elementary age kids, and so you can now be dismissed, elementary age kids. And go back with Teresa for Kids Church. And then if you get a chance to see Xing uh, Xing or my daughter, Xing uh, Xing is leading. She's taking care of the toddlers in nursery. And my daughter Arabella is assisting her. And so um, say thank you to them when you see them here later today for our toddlers and our nursery. Um, so also be in prayer for my wife. Um, one of my kids got stung by a yellow jacket yesterday. Um, and... And, and that's really not the bad thing. The, the, well, I guess it's bad. Is it bad to get stung by a yellow jacket still? I guess, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, if it's a girl, be sympathetic. If it's a boy, just tell them to rub some dirt on it and get on with life. Right? But, so, one of my kids got stung, and then um, they come running into the house in pain, and then, you know, what does a mom do? They jump to action, right? There's one problem. My wife has a broke foot. And so um, I remember getting in the house and kind of seeing she was tended to things, and, and I thought to myself, self, I'd be willing to bet you that mom mode kicked in, and she completely ignored all the things you're not supposed to do as you're trying to heal up something broke. And uh, by the end of the night, she was in a lot of pain. And so that's why she's not here with us. So pray for her. Um, you know, have you ever broke a foot before or did not have use of a leg before? Have y'all noticed how terribly inconvenient that is in life? Who knows? We needed these things. Who knew it? All right, stand to your feet. We're going to read God's Word together. So delightful to have you here. I, uh, I hope that today's message is a help to you. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. We're studying through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're a guest here today, we're, this is the book we've been studying through. We just started a couple weeks back. Um, Austin and I have been kind of trading a lot of messages on this. I've been out of town. Uh, Austin's in a fabulous job. Um, and now we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 12 through 17. Um, good stuff today. I have two pictures I'm going to show you today. One is going to be another picture of, of Paul's third missionary journey, and the other is a really good one. I'm going to show you a picture of a bottle of Jakar. How many of y'all remember Jakar, the, the cologne? Y'all remember Jakar? All right. Do we have any Jakar lovers here? Anybody? No? Does nobody love Jakar back in the day? Don't you remember back in junior high? Right? 
Here's the thing about your car. You either love it or what? You hate it. There is no in-between. We'll talk more about that, so it's going to be a good Sunday. Let's start in our text here this morning. Let's read this in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And this is what he says in verse 12. I'm reading from the Legacy Standard Version. That's the version I have right here. Now, when I came to Troas, Paul says, for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit. Not finding Titus my brother, but saying farewell to them, I went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and manifests through us the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death, and to the other, an aroma from life to life. But who is sufficient for these things? For you are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Would you pray over this text with me? Ask God's blessing, ask that he would show forth himself in this text. God, we're so thankful for this text and help us to accomplish the task of what did Paul mean for the first readers of this text to understand and then how does that apply today that we could glorify you, love you, serve you to the glory of God. If there's someone here who has not trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, may today they be confronted with their sin. If God's people today um, are discouraged in a pit, May they realize that although there may be lots of pits, there's a parade going on. So help us in this. Let us capture this text. And we'll love you and we'll praise you. And God's people said, Amen. So if you want a title for today, the title is Being in the Pits and a parade at the same time, being in the pits and a parade. When I say being in the pits, what I'm talking about is maybe things aren't exactly perfect. Maybe they're not exactly where you'd think they were. Maybe you're in a difficult situation or something stressful or something's anxious or just something's, not everything's as great as what you'd hope it'd be in the moment. I'm basing some of that thoughts on verse 13. Paul says, I had no rest for my spirit. And I'm going to explain to you what that, why that, what that kind of means here in a little bit. Well, because you find that Paul, in our text today, in verse 12, he had gone to, he was now in Troas, and in Troas, he had hoped to actually meet up with Titus, with a word from what had happened with the Corinthian church. And if you don't know anything, Paul had sent a letter with Titus to the Corinthian church, a very scathing letter, a hard letter. And then he was supposed to rendezvous with, with Titus in Troas, But Titus is not in Troas. And if Titus is not in the city of Troas, you start to think about, as Paul, you're starting to think, wait a minute, this is a pretty rough bunch in Corinth, and I sent a pretty rough letter with Titus, and now Titus hasn't showed up. What are you probably thinking? Uh Uh-oh, he's hurt. What What have they done to Titus? What have they done to this dude? So he was a little perplexed. And a little bit of a pit there, 
and yet God was doing some great things at the same moment. Have you ever been that part in life where things were hard in life, but God was doing good things in the moment, right? Now, first, let me show you a picture here. I'm going to show you two pictures, all right? What, how many of y'all are, who's excited for the picture of Drakkar, and who's excited for the picture of the third missionary journey, right? That's a really tough one, isn't it? Okay. Let me first show you a picture of the third missionary journey so you can kind of get um, a little bit of a geographic look at this text. Okay. Oh, we got it right above me too. So um, if you look right here, does everybody see the red? All right, I'm going to kind of walk next to it here, right? Don't make fun of me if I fall off this thing, right? So third missionary journey, you can see. I feel very Vanna White right now. Okay, not near as pretty. All right, so you can see on the third missionary journey, this is the pathway that he's taken. He's here in Ephesus for quite a long time doing ministry. Persecution breaks out here, though, in Asia. You can read about that in Acts chapter 20. He now comes up to the city of Troas, right? That's where he's at is Troas, right? Where he is supposed to meet with Titus. Now, while he's in Ephesus, he sends a letter with Titus, a scathing letter that we don't have, all right? It's a letter in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It brings them to sorrow. It brings them to repentance. But it was a pretty hard letter. The Corinthians, if you read, if you were here when we preached 1 Corinthians years ago, or you've read 1 Corinthians, you know that, man, this is a really messed up church, which gives you a lot of hope. If you're ever in a church that's really messed up, just look at the Corinthian church. They were probably messed up in your church, right? So what great hope that can give us. That was supposed to be a joke, but maybe it didn't come off that way. Okay. So what happens is Titus is going to make his way back up here and was going to meet him in Troas. But what happened is Titus did not, he did not find Titus at Troas. And what you'll find in the text here in a little bit, that he jumps over here to Macedonia, right? And there is where he actually does meet up with Titus and he gets a great word from Titus about what's going on with the church there, right? And it's actually really interesting. While there's the pit, there's also a parade at the same time. So first let's do this. Let's look at verse 12, and I'll kind of break this down. He says in verse 12, Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, now it's interesting, he's in Troas because... Persecution had broken out in the area of Asia, of Asia Minor here. But in the end, God is sovereign in control of all things, right? So in the end, he's actually there. And it's probably maybe there even by appointment, thinking to meet Titus there. But at the same time, really God is in control and sovereign over all things. And so God is bringing him there. He's there for the gospel of Christ. And then he says this, And when a door was opened for me in the Lord. Now, let me just ask you. If the scriptures say a door was opened for me and the Lord, is that positive or a negative thing? That's positive. Have you ever tried to witness the gospel to somebody and thought, man, that's a closed door, right? Have you ever ministered the gospel to somebody and they wanted more and you were almost, you almost didn't know what to do with yourself in the moment? You're almost like, oh, man, I'm just used to everybody telling me no, right? Or, or not caring or acting apathetic to this. You almost... You really almost don't really know what to do in the moment. You're kind of shocked. You know, you tell someone about the Lord, and you ask them, do they want to hear more? Do they want to come to Christ? And they say yes. In that moment, you're like, man, what do I do now? Uh, it usually doesn't happen this way. Well, Paul is right here in verse 12. The door is wide open. He's in, he's in Troas, enjoying the parade, right? Enjoying 
good things. The door is open. God's doing something. But at the same time, there's a little bit of a pit there. There's a little bit of a pit. Look in verse 13. But I had no rest for my spirit. No rest for my spirit. So Paul's in a little bit of a pit here. There's no rest for him. He's worried about Titus. He's saying, man, my, my Titus, I sent him down to Corinth with this really scathing letter. I, had, I didn't see him at Troas. I'm a little worried. God's doing great things here in Troas, but at the same time, I'm a little worried about Titus. What's happened to my, to my young preacher boy, Titus? Where is he at? What's going on? Has the Corinthian church, did, did those guys call Guido Sarducci to cut off his kneecaps or something like that? Also thought that would be funnier, but nonetheless. But I had no rest for my spirit, he says. Have you ever been in a point in life where you had no rest for your spirit? You know what that's like? Where you're just bothered? I mean, good things could be going on around you. A parade of really good things, but you're just kind of unsettled in the moment. And, and if, if anybody were to look outwardly, they would go, man, your life is great, but you're just unsettled. That's Paul right here. There's a little bit of a pit, but also a parade all at the same time. So he says, I had no rest for my spirit. But at the same time in verse 12, church, look at it. A door was opened for me in the Lord. Interesting. Both things existing here at the same time. The pit and the parade. So he says this in verse 13. I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but saying farewell to them. I went on to what? So you see up in this, um, if you put the third missionary journey, if you can see, I'll give my van a white impersonation again here. You can see that God was doing great things here in Troas, but he was, he was worried and concerned about Titus. Now, just a little side note here. Um, Paul is often seen as this man who's not very caring. That's not true. He's a very caring man, Right? And he not only cared about people who came to the Lord, but he cared about those who were in the Lord, right? So he's really in a difficult situation. God has opened up this door in Troas, right? But at the same time, one of his disciples, one of his guys, one of his missionary guys, man, he's concerned about this guy. He's in a great strait among two. There's the pit, but there's also the parade, all going on at the same time. But he actually makes his way over to Macedonia and leaves that work right there. Now, what's interesting, and this is kind of something that you can shoot forward to, um, there does come a time when he revisits. He eventually does meet up with Titus in Macedonia. He does go make a visit to the Corinthians. He does actually track his way back up. That's why there's two lines back up to Macedonia, and he does get to go back into Troas and do some really great ministry, which I'm just telling you this. God is sovereign over all things in life, and if there's an open door going on, and yet something like there's a movement that God moves you, know that God is sovereign, and if he wants a work to happen, he'll bring you back to that work, right? And so he, he does get to go back to it. But nonetheless, we find in verse 12 and 13 a restlessness, for I had no rest for my spirit. You know, in, in life, have you ever been put in a difficult life situation where you had to make a decision? And people wonder sometimes, how do you make decisions in life, right? A lot of people, what they'll say is, well, just pray, and whatever gut feeling you get, go with that. And I would go, you're probably putting a little bit too much pressure on yourselves. Here's what you do. God is sovereign. He's in control of all things, and the Bible is sufficient. Amen? So look at all the options. 
box out all, mark off all the unbiblical options, and whatever options you have on the table, a sovereign God will lead you. And whatever decision you're going to make in that moment, if you've, if you've X'd off every unbiblical decision, know that the decisions you make, God is going, that you are making exactly the decision that God wants, and you don't have to look back. So Paul here makes a very difficult decision. He's, he decides to go ahead and head over to Macedonia instead of continuing to do the work that God has for him in Troas. Very interesting. These two things existing at the same time. A little bit of a pit, but also a parade of God's open door. Now, there's a reason why I call it a parade, because I, if you look at verse 14, look at verse 14 with me. He says this, But thanks be to God, who always, what? Leads us. Just, now, there's gospel implications here, but just so you know the phrase, God always leads us. You can be confident God always leads, right? This is why it's, so, it's such a prerequisite in our life. Study God's Word, memorize God's Word, know God's Word, love God's Word. God's Word is more important than scrolling through TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or whatever new thing that's coming out. It's more important than whatever video show binge. It's more important than all things. Because here's the thing, the better we know this, the better we'll be able to make decisions in life. And the more we'll trust that God's in control. And he says this, he made a difficult decision. But verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads. He always leads. Now, there's something bigger in this leading that we'll look at here, a theological implication that I think is really good. So look at verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and manifests through us the aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. So Paul says this, Corinthians, I left Troas and found Titus, um, and God led me, and God, in the sweet aroma of Christ, um, the, I was in a, pri a triumphal procession. The aroma of the knowledge of him was in every place. Now, hold your place right here and go over to chapter 7. And we'll get to this eventually, but I'll just read for you. So he, he leaves Troas, goes to Macedonia, finds Titus. And, and here's the deal. God had an open door for ministry in Troas. But God had that open door for later on as well. And God, Paul made no unbiblical decisions at this point. These were all biblical decisions. He, he made a decision. He went to Macedonia. You, you know, Paul, although an apostle and a great man of God, are we all aware that he was a human being? Are we all aware he was human, right? Sometimes we forget people are humans. And Paul, he says he has no rest for his spirit. And God in his grace gives him something that gives him rest to his spirit. And it was kind of important. You know, sometimes even, even a person who loves the Lord is strong in the Lord. I mean, all great men and women of God still have feet of clay. So it says right here in verse 5, Paul picks up when he meets up in Macedonia with Titus. And look at verse 5. He says this, For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. That sounds like quite a bit of a pit, right? Remember he's saying like, my spirit, like I was just worried in my spirit about Titus. He didn't meet me in Troas. He says, we got to Macedonia. Our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without, fears within. Let me ask you this. Does verse 5 sound good or bad? Bad. 
That describes what's going on in his soul in Troas. Titus isn't there. I mean, God's doing great work. Open doors. Then look what happens in verse 6. But God, who comforts the humbled, comfort us by the coming of Titus. So he says, Titus met us in Macedonia. We saw him. We were worried what would happen to this guy. We didn't know, but God was kind to us. God gave his grace in this instance. We, we were in the pit, but in the parade all at the same time. Verse 7. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So I rejoice even more. So basically, and you'll, you'll find out what happens is, Titus meets him in Macedonia, right up here, right? And says, hey, that hard letter you sent, that we don't have, we don't have that in the scriptures here today. God didn't mean for it to be a part of our Bible. That hard letter that I carried... They repented. They were sorrowful. Things are different now. Like they've repented. This is good news. And Paul says that it was refreshing to him. He was in the pit, but the parade all at the same time. Now go back over to chapter 2. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and manifests through us the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So... Troas was a great place, but it had its challenges, right? Open door, you know, Titus wasn't there. He gets to Macedonia, you know, and he sees Titus. God is always leading. He's always overall. Even when there seems like there's the pit of bad things in life, there's a parade of a triumphal Christ who's working and doing. All the bad things in life that exist still have, are not overcome with the sovereign hand of God, right? God has purpose and meaning through everything that he does. But thanks be to God, verse 14, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and manifests through us the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. God's in every place, even in the difficulties, even in the good times. This is what's really amazing about Paul. He could have plenty. He could have little. It really doesn't matter. There was a trust in God in all situations. One of the things that we're missing so much is the beginning of verse 14, but thanks be to God. People who don't have a thankfulness towards God in the beginning of the day, throughout the day, are not, are not thanking God for even the littlest things, will not really sense the aroma of Christ that's working in their life. They'll not sense Christ there with them in every place and even they're doing. They'll be in the pit but won't be able to see the parade going on at the whole time. Now, what's interesting is in verse 14, he says, he always leads us in triumphal procession. Now, it's interesting. Commentators are a little bit all over the place on what we're talking about here for the triumphal procession. So in Roman times, here's one what some commentators say. They'll say this triumphal procession he's talking about is really talking, it's talking about the Roman procession that happens when you've conquered as a general, you come back to Rome, and there is a big parade that's going on. As you as a general, <clears throat> you are lavished upon, and for some this is a really good thing if you're a Roman, right? Like, it, this is really good. The general has come back. Look at all he's done. It's bad for some who were the prisoners of war because those prisoners of war are being marched out to their death. So some commentators would say when he says this, he's referring to the Roman parade, which I do believe this. They just say different things about the parade. Some would say in this text, it's really referring to the conquering general who comes in and to all, the, to all the fellow countrymen, it's a good thing. To the captives, it's a bad thing. The aroma of that victory, to some it's good, to some it's bad. 
And that's, I think, a faithful one. There's some other commentators who go, yeah, it's talking about the Roman procession, but it's really referring really more to the captives. For the captives, it's an aroma, it's a good aroma, and it's a bad aroma, that parade. For some captives, that, that, um, that procession is a bad aroma because a lot of times these captives met their death at the very end. But sometimes the captives would be extended grace. Some captives would, and so part of that procession would be that they may meet a benevolent king who they may get, um, they may still have the kind of scepter extended to them and their life may go forward. There's a, some disagreement on that, but I do know this. We are dealing with some kind of parade. <laughs> and I can be confident of this. In that parade, there's an aroma of Christ in that. And those who are in God and those who are not in God would perceive it very differently. And wh- whatever's going on in that parade, God is in control. He works over all. And look in verse 15. We are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So Paul says this, in this parade, we are a fragrance to God. We are an aroma to God. If we're being saved, if we're... Is that better? (laughs) Sorry, people online. (laughs) Okay, look back at the text. We're a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So ever your belief on this this parade, this, this idea of parade, the the, the uh, Roman parade that has a, whether you're in the general, whether you're the general experiencing triumph or you're in the kind of background where you're more the captive. It, it, if you're the captive for Christ, you're an aroma to God among those that are saved and those that are perishing. But the, the big thing I want you to focus is this. We are either in a, a good aroma or a bad aroma. In verse 16, to the one in aroma from death to death, the other from life to life. Now, we can be in the pit, but we can also be in the parade. And in that parade, if we are giving thanks to God, in verse 14, for all things, if our trust is in the Lord, if He is our glory, if He is our joy, if the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus is the mainstay of our life, we will be a pleasing fragrance to Christ 
when we're among the saved, when they're among the perishing. Verse 15, even among those who are perishing, even those who, who don't have eternal life and those that have life, we are a pleasing aroma to those who have life. We are not a pleasing aroma to those that, have, that are going on to death. Then even this, our life, even when we're in the pit, when we're living for God and everything is about the glory of God, and even though things may be bad, we're still... Do you understand that an unbelieving world can see in our life that even though things are bad, they can see that like this person trusts the Lord? They can see it by the way you work. They can see it by the way you respond. You know, unbelievers are watching all the time. And, and either our life is an aroma of who the one true God is, or our lives don't show that aroma. Now, let me show you a picture of Drakkar, right? It's kind of like Drakkar, right? Let me show you this picture. Does this bring back any memories now when I say Drakkar? And how many of you guys wore this back in junior high, all right? Or maybe you're still wearing it now. I think you can get it now. Now, when I was in junior high, that was, that was designer cologne when I was in junior high. That was high-dollar stuff. It was big stuff. Now, I think you can kind of just catch it on the Walmart kind of, you know, Five bucks or whatever like that, right? I don't think it's that expensive nowadays, all right? Now, I can tell you this. I love me some Dracar, right? I love the smell of it. I still today, I just love it. Um, those other colognes I love, like Old Spice. Anybody like Old Spice? Here's the deal. You either love Dracar or you kind of hate it. Either its aroma is pleasing or the aroma is not a pleasing but there's no in-between, <laughs> all right? Even like Old Spice. I love Old Spice. Anybody love Old Spice? I almost put an Old Spice one. I love it. Someone said because it reminds me of Grandpa. That's why I love it, right? It makes me think of Grandpa like that old man musk. Like it seemed like all men used to, like all grandpas used to just splash on Old Spice, right? It just gives me a nostalgic feeling. I like your car, although I never get to wear it because guess who doesn't like your car? If your wife doesn't like Dracar, you probably shouldn't wear Dracar, <laughs> right? I have this little bottle of, um, <laughs> of Old Spice that the times that Cindy's in town, I'll splash out of town, I'll splash on Old Spice, right? Just, you know, she's not around. She's gone. So here's the deal. It's a fragrance. To one, it's pleasing. To one, it's not as pleasing. Now, in the text, this parade that's going on, those whose lives are centered on the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Those who, although in the pit of despair, can, although the, there may be a restlessness, can be thankful to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession because of the finished work of Christ. Even when bad things happen in the end, we know that we win. We know that in the end what the story looks like. We are a fragrance, in verse 15, of Christ to God. We are a pleasing fragrance. But know this that not all will perceive that. The pleasing fragrance that you may think you have, to the unbeliever, it's not as good. The pleasing fragrance that you are to believers, it will, they'll sense it, and it'll be an encouragement to them. That's why he says in verse 16, to the one an aroma from death to death, and to the other the aroma from life to life. Our life as we operate, as we do life, as we're in the pit, we're always in the parade. And the, the question is this, in the midst of the parade, are we a sweet aroma to God and a sweet aroma to others who are saved of what the one true God is like? Is there a constant 
unceasing thankfulness and trust in the Lord's hand among the saved. And God is well pleased with this aroma. At the same time, those who are not in Christ will not like that aroma. Why does that? Because it brings greater conviction. To every pagan, a Christian, who can give glory to God in all things, if they're not in Christ, it will just infuriate them and it'll make them think the silliest thing like, Drakkar is a bad smell. You bunch of pagans, repent. Drakkar is a good smell. So you can be in the pit, but really you're in the parade the whole time. And we are either a fragrance of Christ to God and a sweet-smelling fragrance or not. Now, let me point to you a couple scriptures here. Um, we won't turn to too much, but hold your place there and just look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. You'll go to your right. You, and you just go, like, just a couple pages and you'll be there. Ephesians 5. Go to your right. So he says that we are the, wait a minute, what did I tell you, Ephesians 5? I say Ephesians 5 in my notes, but that can't be right. I'm looking right here. Oh, I'm looking at verse 3. No wonder it doesn't look right. I did tell you the right one. I'm just looking at the wrong verse. Look at verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, verse 2, and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, and offering it in a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. Now, Christ's sacrifice is a fragrant aroma to God. Only he could buy redemption by his perfect life. Only he could suffer the wrath of God and live. Only he can offer eternal life. And that same fragrant aroma that God is pleased with through the sacrifice of Christ has been put on our account in Christ. And so if you're in Christ... You are meant to be a pleasing aroma, even if the pit, even when you're in the pit, even when the parade of life is going on around, we're a pleasing aroma. That's what God has called us to. Now go back over to chapter 2 and verse 16. Now let me take a sidestep, and this is not this is not an elephant trail, but it'll be a rabbit trail. I do want you to notice. He says we are a fragrance of death to death or life to life. Notice he doesn't say to purgatory to purgatory or some middle ground. There's either life or there's either death. There's either eternity or there's either hell. There's not actually even two, op uh, there's no options besides these two. We're either an aroma to Christ of those that are saved or an aroma to Christ of those that are perishing. To the man around us, we're either an aroma of death to death or aroma of life to life. We're either one of the two. Now, that also presupposes this. If you're here today and you're, maybe you don't know where you're at or you're online and you don't know where you're at with God, you're either saved or you're lost. You're either, you either have eternal life or you have eternal death coming for you someday. There's only one of two places. There's no middle ground, right? So I can tell you this. There's so many people that are in this middle ground that you ask them, are you, if you were to die today and, and, and you know, where would you spend eternity? A lot would go, well, I hope I'd be in heaven. And I would tell you this, if that's your response, friend, I am scared for you. The scriptures are actually written so that we can know that we know that we know him, right? My salvation 
is based on the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, on his finished work. That's, that's the right answer. That's how you have eternal life. But there are some that would actually say at this point, they go, well, how do you know if you were to die, where would you go? And they'd say heaven, and you'd say, how do you know that? And they'd say, well, because I'm a good person. I went to church enough, or I did really good things, or I'm not that bad. And I would tell you, that's not the right answer. There's only two types of people. There's saved and there's lost. That's the only two types of people, only two types of categories. Are you saved today? Are you saved? Do, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? There's no fence straddling. We're not even allowed to. That's not how life is going to work. I've been reminded so much lately that life, I mean, I already knew this before, but do y'all, are we all aware that we're all going to die someday? Y'all did know that, right? Okay. We're all going to die. This thing isn't going to go forever. Here's one thing about seeing death. You're reminded of your own death to come someday. And let me ask you this. Have we all done business with God? Have you settled for sure is Jesus your Lord and Savior? And I'm not talking about I just prayed a prayer and said some kind of religious ritual, which that's great. I've done that. But what I'm saying is, is Jesus Lord and King? Are you, have you placed all your faith and trust and belief in the finished work of Christ or are you trusting in what you can do to earn salvation? So there's only two people we see here. Now back from the rabbit trail. We're fragrance. What fragrance are you? Now look in verse 16, the end of verse 16, he says this. And who is sufficient for these things? He's basically saying, boy, this is a big task. I'm either an aroma of life to life or an aroma of death to death. That feels like a lot of pressure, doesn't it? So he says... And who is sufficient for these things? Now, just on a side note, kind of the context of the whole book, there's all these false teachers that are saying Paul's not a real apostle, and if he was, he'd be charging money. If he was, he, you know, he wouldn't be going through all these difficult uh, weaknesses in his life. He would only be going through really great things. And Paul says, well, who is sufficient for these things? Because basically the the false teachers that you're going to discover more as you go through this, the, those who tried to add to salvation, the Judaizers who said, well, you're saved by Christ, but you're also saved by good works, by keeping the law in a way that earns your righteousness. That these guys were saying really bad things about Paul. And Paul comes in and says, and who is sufficient for these things? Meaning, you're false. these false teachers have basically proclaimed themselves um, Proclaim themselves as the sufficient ones, right? And Paul's saying, who is sufficient for these things? Like, I'm really not. Only really Christ is sufficient for these things. The aroma of life to life is really all because of what Jesus has done. It's nothing of me. The aroma of death to death, that's, that's what Christ has done. Who is sufficient for these things? All these things that we show, this parade that's going on, we're not sufficient for this. Christ is. So what Christ has done is he's the one that's died for our sins. He's the one that's given us forgiveness. He's the one that is working in our life. He even has done something really miraculous. We put the Holy Spirit inside of us that we show forth the glory of God and what he's like. Now we'll end with verse 17. For we are not like many peddling the word of God. Now remember, in the context, he's speaking of these false teachers, right? And they would peddle the word of God. They would say what people wanted to hear so that people would pay money. Are we all aware that people sometimes will pay big money to hear what they want to hear? Are we, are we all aware of those things? 
So they were doing that. Now, what was interesting, Paul never charged the Corinthians money for his ministry. Although he could have taken offering from them, it would have been right. He didn't for a specific reason. Now, these, those who were gaining money from the Corinthians by, by their false teaching, they proclaimed that actually they were legit and Paul wasn't because, because, because they were getting paid for it and they were charged for it. Paul's saying, actually, no, that's, there's something different here. I didn't charge you a thing which should show you. In verse 17... We are not peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul says, our whole life has been about Christ. Corinthians, everything we've said and done and the year and a half I've been around you, it's all been about Christ, not about us. We've been the aroma of Christ to those that are saved and the aroma of judgment to come to those that are not saved. And in the end, it had nothing to do with us and it had everything to do with Christ. Uh, we, who's sufficient for these things? No one is. Jesus is. So what's really interesting about this text is you see some pits, but really there's this parade. And the question for us really is, in the midst of the parade, is all of life about the glory of God? Is everything about Christ? When everything's about Christ, no matter where we're at, whether we're experiencing the open door in Troas or whether we're disturbed in spirit and go over to Macedonia, wherever the, the Lord leads us, we'll always be in triumphal procession in Christ. We'll always be the aroma of Christ. Sometimes I think we're more concerned about the decisions we make in life than are we going to be the aroma of Christ in those decisions we make, right? Let me back up and say it again. Sometimes I think we're concerned more about the decisions we make in life than are we the aroma of Christ in those decisions we make. Can people see Christ? As we, as we meet up with people, as we go this weekend and probably visit some friends and family, can they see the aroma of Christ in our life? Those who are far from Christ, are they even more convicted of their sin when they see and talk to you and all they, all they smell is that sweet smell of Christ that although it may drive them in further hatred of you, that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. There's an aroma to God that both are good things. Are we the aroma of Christ? In the midst of any pit, we're in the parade. And are we the aroma of Christ? Would you stand to your feet and we're going to have a time of singing and we're going to have a time of just thinking about these things. Worship team, you can make your way up. And can I implore in a couple things? Um, if you're not in Christ today, you are, you are a slave and you have no freedom in life. And I could think, what better weekend for you to come to Christ than this weekend, right? It's, it's, it's time to get some freedom from sin. It only comes through Christ. I can remember at 16, and all y'all know this, that I've told this many times. Sometimes I've told it so much that if I, when I've said the wrong age, I've been corrected. I remember at 16, something happened. And I understood that I deserved hell understood I couldn't save myself. And it was like all of a sudden, this, this idea from the text of Romans came out to me that, wait a minute, I deserve God's judgment and Jesus took my judgment in my place, right? A glorious exchange. I remember that. On the tan couch in my parents' living room, that's when I came to Christ. Have you come to Christ yet? You're either, you're, you're, you either have life or death. And then I would say this, we're all in different pits in life more than likely, whether you know it or not, you're in a parade. 
even in the midst of that pit, in the midst of that pit. And are you, are we, a pleasing aroma to God? And we're in that pleasing aroma. It will encourage the saved, and it will convict the lost, and God will be glorified, and Christ will continue to walk us in His triumphal procession. Because the life, death, burial, resurrection, the work of the Holy Spirit, will continue to be faithful to Christ. Will you pray with me over this? Thank you for your word. I'm thankful for you were victorious. It's all on your finished work. May the aroma of our life encourage. As in a minute, we're going to flip this room with a couple tables and we're going to eat. And then for those that are led, they'll, they'll take the mic and they'll either talk about a scripture, what God has done this week, and what a chance to be the aroma of Christ to the saved. But God, maybe there's someone here who's not in Christ. That as they hear the word of God talked about, as you talked about, maybe they'll be convicted of their sin. Maybe they'll, something will be said that they'll understand that there's nothing but death going on. And death is all they have to look forward to. And the most heaven they'll ever have right now is just what, what fleeting joy is in this current life. May that aroma to God bring conviction of the lost. Keep us centered. It's so hard. We get distracted easily. We keep thinking this life is about us. We keep wanting to inflate our own glory. Lord, help us. Let us be the fragrance that brings pleasure to you until the day that we get to be with you and take, take this communion, the Lord's Supper, with you in glory at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Till that day, let the things we do for the rest of this morning point us towards that day. And God's people said, Amen.